Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello Slackers, welcome to this week's Slacker Podcast. I hope that your treadmills are spinning at optimum speed and that your watercress sandwiches are lightly buttered. It is January after all. Uh, we are coming into the end of season one of this podcast. I mean, we've got a couple of weeks to go yet. Let's not wish uh, the podcast away, but just to let you know, season one is coming to an end very, very soon. And I've already started recording season two. And some of the guests that I've got on it are absolutely amazing. Like, actually, I've already met I'm a huge hero of mine, the very first one that I've done. And I've got a couple more booked in, so it's going to be very exciting. I'm going to take a wee break. And then come back with the best guests ever. Still musicians. I'm not going politicians. I'm not going... Do you know who I would love to get on it? Gemma Collins. I'm not really into celebrity culture. In the slightest. But there's just something about her that makes me crack up every time I see her or hear from her. Hope you've all had a good week anyway. It's been uh, sort of tough kicking back in um, after Christmas. I mean, like we're kind of like almost halfway through January as well. But when you spend two weeks eating and well in my case drinking guinness kind of takes a little longer to get the sort of cobwebs out of the go um but you might be skint at the minute i think pretty much most people are but come the end of the month i've got a really good thing that you can spend your money on it's called the slacker tour whoa um i'm going on tour in uh the engine rooms in southampton on february the 20th February the 21st, Sub 89 in Reading, and February the 22nd in Dreamland in Margate. And what I'm doing is, it's a Slacker Club Tour. So I will be at all of those venues, and playing live on each of those nights, is one of the finest bands in the country. They're called The Magic Gang. If you want a recommendation of an album that you need to go and listen to right now, go and listen to The Magic Gang's debut album, it is full of sunshine and joy and influences from the Beatles and Beach Boys, the healthy sort of British indie sort of uh, DNA thrown in there as well. And supporting them, we will have teenage punk band Touts that are from Derry. If you like bands like Stiff Little Fingers and Green Day and The Clash, you'll really like uh, Touts and I will be DJing on the night as well. Uh, there's still tickets available for the Southampton, Reading and Margate shows on the February 20th, 21st and 22nd. So if you want them and you want to come and have a fun time, 
<laughs> Isn't that an amazing tagline for Slacker? Come and have a fun time. Um, you can download. God, I'm so used to speaking about podcasts. Things download. You can buy tickets. Um, on the link below this podcast. Yeah, there, there we go. That's it. Um, this week's podcast was recorded almost a year ago. Yeah, it's it it's taken that long to get this out. It's with Justin Young, the lead singer from the Vaccines. I've been a massive fan of the Vaccines since they launched back in two thousand and eleven. It was a weird time, two thousand and eleven, for indie guitar music. They kind of bucked a trend um, that was happening. There was a lot of bands about, but nobody was really breaking through. That was kind of the tail end of the indie landfill sort of movement, where you know you couldn't move for indie bands in like the the noughties. And people kind of managed to get really sort of fed up with a lot of them. There's just a lot of really shit bands coming through in the in the late 2000s. And that had a negative effect on the genre of guitar music as a whole. So it took a band of sheer quality like the Vaccines to sort of buck that trend. Because it wasn't cool for the sort of media or, or radio to kind of like guitar music around that stage. But the Vaccines bucked that trend. And they've gone on to release four albums, become a worldwide band. And generally, they just smash it. So uh, I really wanted to sort of pick up with Justin, the lead singer from The Vaccines, and see how they did it. I want to hear that early demo as well. Because from my recollection, they were one of those bands that their first demo pretty much ended up on the radio. So there wasn't really much gestation period with them. They kind of started and then they were famous. <laughs> Do you know? There wasn't much of that, like really hard plugging away but honestly they did do that in other bands but with the vaccines it kind of was very very instant anyway right this week's slacker podcast is with justin from the vaccines in three in two in one thank you for for joining me on the podcast it's a pleasure to be here i haven't done that many of them yet so if we're flying by the seat of our pants we're flying by the seat of our pants this is um i suppose this will hopefully this will be the shape of podcasts to come yeah exactly and we're in a basement in soho and it doesn't it doesn't no no not like that not like that there's no like weird holes in the wall there are none of them left anymore no there's no what as if as if you knew like when when the first vaccines album came out we were always (laughs) invited to basement parties the heady days of 2011 lots of rubber involved exactly yeah (laughs) and needles oh my god the heady days yeah um i was listening to metallica on the way in this morning yeah i haven't listened to them in a long time i downloaded the first album and my god that's the perfect way to start a day. Do you know what? I'm not a, I'm not a metallic fan, but I like their logo. Yeah. I was, we were <laughs> a fan of the we've font. We've been designing t-shirts. And I was just looking at the Metallica t-shirt, all the like, classics, just thinking, when you've got a, when you've got a logo like that, everyone's going to want to wear your t-shirt, aren't they? Yeah. And they do. Well, obviously, like a, the, the V of the vaccines lends itself very easily to... But it's it's a, a V in so many other... Th- it's a V... It's too ubiquitous, I think, the V. See, maybe you you, you know that um, Ken Loach movie, Kez, where he's yes. like um, yeah, putting yeah. the, the yeah. two fingers up? Yeah. Maybe you can like ask Ken Loach if you can use the fingers and then axines. Yeah, off that'd the side be nice. Of it. I mean, we've tried everything. but What's the worst one? Um, there are... The, I don't know. I don't want to throw anyone under a bus. Actually, speaking of... Oh, we did, we did, we did, like... We did... Um, I can show you, just for the record, we did... I really wanted to do like a classic metal T-shirt, yeah. Vaccines, um, and so we got some designs in yesterday, and what and, and the metal like vaccines written in kind of a metal font, 
let me show you the picture and obviously people can't see this but you can and you can back me up that this is um ridiculous i will paint a picture with words he's scrolling through his phone ignoring all of the, does that say, the uh, genital pics does that say vaccines no that's like a that's <laughs> like a norwegian death metal band font you know those fonts but that you like indeci- see pe- indefi- what's the word indecipherable indecipherable yeah like it doesn't say the vaccines on it it looks like a cat has been locked in a a shed and yeah. it's just been scratching at the door. Or I mean, like that's the spider, worst. Or like a spider's been sick. That's the <laughs> that's the worst T-shirt I've ever seen. Yeah, it's terrible. <laughs> We're making them. <laughs> I want to do um, one of the first demos. Was it the first demo you guys ever did? Yeah, I think I think it was one of four. Yeah, it was one of four. Yeah, the Magic Four. How many yeah. of those four made it onto the album? Two. Two? Oh, Wetsuit and uh, If You Wanna. Ooh, that, that, that's, yeah. that, that's a good hit. Wait. Okay, right, we're going to play it now. This is the one of the first demos the vaccine's ever recorded, and it's called If You Wanna. Well, I That was the first demo. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was the first, like one of yeah, it was one of four. I guess it might have even been the very first demo. Yeah, that yeah. it's incredibly accomplished. For well, it sounds demo. quite similar to it sounds quite similar to the the album recording. Depends how accomplished you think that is. Yeah, you know, <laughs> no, but it is. Yeah, it's it's funny. I haven't heard that for years, but um, yeah, basically sounds it, like it the, definitely doesn't feel like you know it's your first rodeo that you're just like throwing down. It's the first time in a studio or anything like anything like that. Well, it wasn't. It wasn't like we'd all you played been, in bands yeah, beforehand. We'd all been in lots of bands. Well, you you had um, like success with the, your previous project as well. <clears throat> Yeah, I wouldn't call it success. I still hear, hear people talking about it. Um, people do. I mean, it, I like toured it. Like London success, kind of. Yeah, London success. As in, like, someone put, like, I got a record label to put the songs out and I, like, toured with Laura Marling and, like... What was the name of that project? Um, JJ Pistolet. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what I did that from, like, 18 to 22 something 18 to 20 like i'm over solo yeah yeah I'm going yeah band. well i just i was so i, I was solo because i moved to london and didn't really have any friends to start a band yeah and then needs must I, yeah exactly it was kind of out of necessity rather than There's no better way to make friends and play music right exactly and, and actually i was i was like playing like five nights a week and i and that's like how i made all my friends that's how i know everyone now really it's like from going out like every night for like three years so like, you all your friends must be like at, at that age just absolute caners because you're in bars all the time right, yeah yeah <laughs> it's not like you're but it's, it's not like but, tin pan alley where you're bob the, dylan playing in coffee shops or anything is no, it? exactly it's a little later on in the day but yeah but, but it is you know not all of them were like personal friends but like you 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 make music in london and you play five nights a week then it's pretty mad like that it's pretty exciting because every i mean pretty much anyone and everyone that like comes up 
comes through London. So you end up like playing in pubs with like, you know, people who are now like the biggest pop stars and rock stars on the planet. Who like who would those people have been? Uh, like Mumford and Sons, Florence and Mach- Florence and the Machine. I mean, like Adele was like playing in pubs when I was playing in pubs in London. Um, Did you ever go to Adele's fish shop? You know, where she used to work in a no, in a fish shop no. before she. But my she flatmate toured. My flatmate toured with her on like her first tour. Yeah, so it's like quite you know it's like quite an exciting thing really. Mm, but and, th- and then you end up seeing like as well, like even if they're not from London, I guess you end up like seeing touring bands come through that yeah. then go on to do like amazing things. It, it, it must have been such a such an education as well, and, and like a like a really fruitful time coming up cause it I, was it, it was but it's also i think it's really i think that like like leads me nicely onto like quite a poignant point that i wanted to make is that like it takes a really long time particularly when you're young which is why it always amazes me when i hear like young artists like so fully formed i think it takes you a really long time to like work out who you are as an artist yeah um and actually that was going to probably be like my bit of advice that you were oh, asking hold it for. Hold, yeah. hold it to the but, end um, we got to keep them we got to keep them right, in i will i will <laughs> but i think just but like you know it's so easy it is it's inspiring but it's also easy to kind of like forget who you are and, and kind of end up sounding like all the other people on the bill that night oh stuff, yeah, and yeah like, absolutely yeah. and there, there was definitely like a big london sound around about like the late 2000s early yeah. 2010s yeah and and that singer songwriter yeah kind of troubadour absolutely and 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 like and you know, even the the way I sung, it wasn't really my voice. It was me like trying to sound like, you know, like singers that yeah I liked and had heard. You know, and it sort of you were very affected and all that sort of stuff. You weren't yeah. trying to do like Tom Witt's impressions, or I was trying to do like Devendra Banhart. Oh um, right, yeah, impressions and like kind of like impressions of uh, yeah, like Vashti Bunyan and all. I was like trying <laughs> trying to like come across as quite a hazy. And like magical, even yeah, exactly. That wasn't my that wasn't my voice. Yeah. Hey, after the show, we'll get on yeah. my magical carpet and yeah, we'll fly exactly. home. Yeah, how, yeah. how about that? Yeah, out to the Joshua Tree. But it's definitely a, a hop, skip, and a jump to the vaccines. Then from yeah. from there, like, what, who ruffled your hair? Who who bought like, you the leather I jacket? I basically, I basically just stopped enjoying doing the solo stuff, and it just like fizzled out. And I, I just felt like I'd hit like a brick wall with it. Like creatively, I was just like wasn't wasn't doing anything for me and i didn't really like play any music for like six months like went back to university which i'd left because i got a publishing deal with my solo stuff and so i'd like see that when the publishing deal comes in if you're new to this and you don't know that's how bands can yeah function but i was a solo artist and i was 19 when i got it and you get a lump so, sum yeah and you like- get a lump sum of money and you i you know i thought i was like made and i spent it all on like beer and like <laughs> and like takeaways and like new clothes and stuff like so that see like a lot of like teenagers get that in the, in the form of a student loan you get a couple, right, yeah. a, couple a couple of grands right and I'm, you know you get to my age now and you're just paying it back and you're no, like going, exactly. oh shit i thought yeah. that was free money They're never but, no but but that that, yeah. that it's a very finite amount of money yeah and then when it's done you're on beans again yeah, it's but, gone but when you get a publishing deal like the whole idea of that is this meant to be your wage for a couple of Absolutely, years. Absolutely, yeah. But, I mean, but when it, you're 19, it's like jetpacks. I mean, retrospect, it was a small deal. Like it wasn't like a life changing amount of money. But at the time, like for a 19 year old who oh, just yeah. moved to London, it was like, yeah, I could like finally afford a pair of trainers. Or, like, you know, <laughs> what I, mean? like, I, I just problem is I buy a new pair every week. I, I managed to blag my way into uh, a DJ gig when I was 19. The guy who at the local pub in my hometown of Oma um, had to quit. 
Um, I have no idea why I'd quit, but I just went in and told them that I was a resident in Belfast and Coleraine. I'd never DJed before in my <laughs> life, and they were paying me £120 a night, twice a week, to, so go, to go and DJ and free beer there and yeah. all your all your friends were down at it. I actually ended up killing off that night because I think it just ended up in chaos all of the time. But, but like having great, 240 yeah. pound in your back pocket every no, single amazing, week. Yeah. I quit my job in Asda and I jokingly <laughs> said I'm going to buy a crown and a and a gown to DJ. <laughs> so we were awesome. we were like the king. Yeah, exactly. I was like I'm the I'm the king. I'm yeah. like 19 years old. <laughs> yeah, they figured that out and sacked me pretty pretty sharpish, but like it's it's fun having money at that age but i didn't it have is, it again yeah. for about another six or seven yeah, years. yeah it's once it goes again then it's sort of and you have to choose between you eating or the cat eating <laughs> it's uh it's or uh, eating the cat yeah or eating the cat which i came very close to doing yeah yeah so then the the vaccines yeah um, so so kick in. so yeah actually a friend of ours a friend of mine had a rehearsal studio on latimer road in london and he was a solo artist as well and my it was summer of 2009 and my girlfriend had just dumped me and he'd just been dumped by his girlfriend. And I think Freddie had just been dumped by his oh girlfriend. God. So we're all like single and depressed. Yeah. And to bored. Get, but to, single and depressed together. That's, yeah. that's what counts. And he was like, and our friend was like, we should start a band together and we should get this guy, Freddie, who I've been playing music with to come in as well. And he's like, I'll get my drummer to come in too. Was it a prerequisite that everybody in that band had to have been dumped in the last like six pretty weeks much, or something? Yeah, pretty <laughs> much. Well, I just think it was the Lonely Hearts Club. So yeah. we were just like all hanging out together. And, um, and I remember we went in and we and we just did like four days in in a row, and we like went in and on the first day like no one had bought any songs in obviously because yeah. like no one was like, like no well, what do we do like do you... you're this you're the songwriter like no like no one had like kind of bestowed that on anyone else and so day two I was like oh I'll bring in I'll bring in tunes. a couple of like I'll just bring in a couple of things so I like that night I wrote I wrote the kind of um. I just want it to be like punky and fun and silly. And I think I wrote, yeah, the like verse to If You Wanna and the intro, like that kind of like yeah, cool. 12 bar blues kind of thing and brought that in and, and we kind of jammed around it. And originally like the chorus, this is how different life would have been, but the chorus was the break. Originally the chorus was the breakdown. So it was like all alone, all alone. Yeah. I'm on my own. We we're just doing like a breakdown chorus. And then, and then after a few times of playing it, like kind of as a joke, I like carried on playing and like, like kind of like making myself laugh or like being oh, like yeah. giving myself the chills because it was like so silly. Yeah, what is this? And then everyone was like, "That was a really good. That's the chorus. That's crazy. That's the chorus." Oh my god, it's yeah, it's yeah. weird how like yeah. something completely throwaway ends up yeah. being something really important when there's no pressure and there's no expectation, like zero, and you're just fucking around with your friends it's amazing what happens isn't it i think the 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 whole pressure-free environment for a band's really important because once you're out there and your music's out there you're in a career or or you're you're in a life it doesn't matter like how fun you try and make it there's always that like pressure hanging over you i I feel i feel really bad because like i I run a label and i've realized that i'm turning into that dick that i always i started the label not to be yeah i've got well it comes impossible doesn't it yeah i've got a young punk band called tights on, on the label and they're just they're incredible and they've just been writing such brilliant like two minute three minute sharp short punk songs and now I've got to be that guy I used to take the piss out of. I'm like, right, lads, we need some more songs. You know, know that one? I know. And actually, I think it must be really hard. Like for, you know, 
like managers and labels and everyone that works in the music industry but isn't strictly i suppose in the crudest sense of the word a creative yeah because like you've got to be it's like you sign someone or you start looking after someone and you show like belief in this like raw talent they have yeah and then you start trying to like mold them and i think you know (laughs) it can be like quite you know sometimes i'm like do you want me to be me or not like because (laughs) because like there's so many like opinions like and again that is that does all add to the pressure cooker yeah i find i find that like you're doing everything with the right intention and sometimes because you're a bit older you think you've got more experience but at the same time the reason that they're so good and that young bands are so good is because (laughs) it's not no not not absolutely not not at all but they're so good because they're so raw and and, and they're they're making music um so pressure free like like yourselves when 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 you started so you kind of have to sort of respect that and go right i think is it zappa that said i can't remember i think it was him that said like the music industry changed like for the worse when creatives started a and ring records because like previously it was all just like like kind of fat cats like big money guys who like didn't like claim to know anything about music or creativity so they're like you're the artist you just do your you thing do your and we'll thing. fund we'll, it yeah exactly whereas like now like you know like most of the people most people in the music industry like we're in bands and like def- like you know like have a like you know like have strong opinions on what a music video should look like or what shirt the singer should be wearing exactly like like whether or not there should be another chorus at the end of the song and like and it it does get like yeah it kind of becomes impossible to ignore if you're there was an interesting um quote from i was chatting to jamie oborn who manages the 1975 and ben can and japanese house and stuff and he says that most a and R men. So, like, if you don't know an A and R person, this is kind of like the person who helps put your record together right, yeah. with the band. Uh, I'm not them. That's <laughs> um, no, but they, but they, yeah, they're kind of the creative within the in the label. Yeah, and they kind of help. He says that he thinks that A and R people think they're right 95 percent of the time, and and the band are wrong five percent of the time. But he thinks it's like the complete other way around. Like that's the way yeah. he treats his label. Yeah, the yeah. band are right 95 percent of the time. And the other five percent of the time, he's right. I think that's. Uh, I think that's true. Yeah, I think, I think that's, that's true. true. As well. And actually, I do value our relationships with our. You know, I do value our relationships with our management and like with our label. And it is, you know, it is. It is at the best of times collaboration and like informative and like mm. educational. And I do, yeah, like I've definitely learned from the things they've like said and suggested and stuff. But it's not always welcome. <laughs> <laughs> exactly i just imagine like um you know when van gogh's drawn himself yeah i don't know i think you're no, a little exactly. bit fatter yeah, yeah. than that that's like a, another weird thing about being in a band because like it is more so than pretty much every other like creative pursuit it's like collaborative and also means you need to compromise in ways you wouldn't if you were like painting a picture or taking a photograph yeah. or um or maybe if you're just a solo artist, I don't, I don't know. So it's like, in that respect, it's like really weird. It's it's definitely like a weird thing because it's not, you know, even though I write m- the vaccine songs, it's like my voice singing and like, you know, it's not just, it's like, a it's a it's our vision, you know, so yeah, it's not yeah. how, it, it's not how the songs would sound if I was doing it without, it's not you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. You're not, you're not just like the lonely auteur. No, no. It's a, it's a de- democracy yeah, <laughs> I think. yeah. Um, when I was listening to that demo earlier on it like brought back floods of memories of like you guys coming through in 2010 yeah 10, uh, it, it was, was 10, really 2010 yeah. wasn't it yeah. and how fast and how prominent your music came through and yeah. like way faster because like, like you know, I've been like a, a, an indie kid and for, for a long time and 
that we we were kind of going through uh, like if you were an indie fan around about that time we were coming out the end of uh the enemy yeah, uh glorious la- landy yeah. uh, was landfill. it in, in, indie landfill, yeah, indie landfill <clears throat> it, yeah. it was uh referred to but then you guys came back came out with that and it was like all right okay here's a here's a band i can do you think we're in a lull at them i feel like we're in a lull at the moment as well though i'm so entrenched with yeah. with new music with like the, the radio one show yeah. that i do and yeah. i i don't I, I almost like don't really peek my head up to like yeah. look at the bands on where where it's actually going i'm, yeah. al- I'm always at the start yeah 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 yeah, do, yeah, do, yeah, yeah, yeah. do you know what i mean yeah. there's there's loads of great bands coming through but i just think uh you know with spotify not maybe making guitar bands as important as they were were previously they're not putting them on as many well, so it's expensive to like start that. a band it's, it's fucking ex- expensive expensive band, it's you know? so it's so yeah. dear like like when a, a band gets a, a modicum of success right yeah the first person that comes in is like you know the auntie or the uncle and they're yeah, like yeah. oh so you're in a big band yeah, now. yeah, yeah. like it's not like it wasn't the rolling stones like so you're gonna buy me a, a new car or whatever no, but i think even before that you know it's like it's like you got to buy a bass you got to buy an amp you got to find somewhere mm-hmm. to rehearse like it's it like you know like bedroom djs or producers or rappers or whatever you know everyone's got pretty much everyone's got a laptop now or a phone right that you yeah, can like, make music on and it's like it's so much I don't know. And there's there's no real income that comes in unless you've either got like money yourself that you you pay for or like like, like you work for or yeah. are you like I don't know maybe you've got like rich parents or something. Well, but I've got friends who like fund their music projects from their day jobs. From the day stuff. jobs. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's what that's yeah. what like I used to do when, yeah. when we played in bands, but I think the disparity, oh god, don't get me started on this. <laughs> like cuz I DJ, I DJ out a lot, right? And DJs get paid quite well yeah. to, to even like at a smaller level like when i was starting out dj and you were still getting paid like 100 200 pounds yeah. or whatever um like at the very beginning to go out and dj although still to this day all bands that play anywhere still get 50 quid no, i know it's weird and it's it? been 50 yeah. quid for like 15 years yeah. it's like where's the inflation s- in the music industry i mean when i when i started out playing we'd have to like sell tickets for the tour you know for, for the touring band and you'd like yeah you know you wouldn't even get pa- don't, you'd even get paid <laughs> yeah. it's mad though actually when i first started i used to play in like for like diy like punk promoters and stuff and they just they just divvy up the kitty at the end of the night like, yeah you know like they wouldn't they'd like pay for the venue and then all, all the bands would get like an equal cut of like the uh the door at the end of the night. I've I've had a lot of fights with promoters before of doing that pay to play thing. We have to like sell thirty tickets. Yeah, and I did like a bunch of that one. Yeah, cause it's because you want to get on like you want to get on good bills. If you're in a band or you're an artist, just save yourself the time and don't do bother. Do not do that. Don't do those gigs. Someone's screwing you over. Yeah, exactly. They're yeah. just trying to get you to get as many people in so they can sell yeah. beer. Yeah, and I mean that's basically just what venues are <laughs> anyway. But like, yeah, that's that's. A I real do think that, I do think one of the one of the you know like the biggest tricks to learn one of the most important things to learn when you are like starting a band is like the power of no the power of saying no and like having the strength nobody says no at the beginning nobody says no because you're always so grateful for this opportunity Mm. or the opportunity but actually (coughs) having the balls to say no i think can sometimes go a long way big time yeah you're in the position well you got in the position quite quite fast we you, did you and could, yeah it was you could you know, say it no did, it did happen it did happen really quickly. like where I, I i like read this earlier on and it like as i said it was flooding back memories because i think the first track i ever heard of you guys was wrecking bar yeah and it was stuck in my head like you know like just instantaneous earworm that's earworm. just like on constant loop yeah. around <laughs> your head around about that time yeah and I, I read that you were the first band 
to get on Jules Holland without ever releasing a single. I think that's true. Yes, <laughs> I think like, that's true. Therefore, yeah. like the hype train must have been. It was mad. Loaded. It was mad, but it was like it was really exciting on the one hand, but really stressful on the other, because I felt and we felt that actually we'd been working like you know like Arnie and Pete were like twenty six when the band started. You know, like they we'd all been in bands for like ten years. All been in bands for like ten years. And it was really stressful to like suddenly have all this like attention directed towards us, like positive and negative. And I like I don't think any of us were prepared for it. And actually, if I could go back now, I'd do it all again. Like I'd and I'd enjoy it a lot more. Mm. But I found the whole thing like really it was really exciting. Obviously, like go I remember going on Jules Holland and like you said we didn't have a single out, and then on one side of us was were Kings of Leon and the other side of us were MIA was MIA and oh then God, and then so across cool. the room was Eric Clapton and we were just like how the fuck did we get we here? haven't even put anything yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it, you know even just you know it is like our, our booking agent always used to say like enjoy this like this is the most fun you know like this is the most fun part about being in a band is like coming up and like rising through the ranks and like you're never going to get that feeling again and just even just being in the same room as like Kings of Leon when you is, is like that was like like what what, yeah. what what do you do like i like i don't know maybe i'm one of those people that would if i was in a room with somebody i'd have to go up and say something no i can't i can't would you, yeah. shy, would you shy away yeah. a lot can happen in three years like a chat bot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance united healthcare tri-term medical plans underwritten by golden rule insurance company offer flexible budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states learn more at uh1.com Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is made up of many gorgeous moments. Cherish them all, big and small, with Blue Nile. Whether it's for yourself or a loved one, Blue Nile's unrivaled selection of expertly crafted fine jewelry and statement pieces help make all your moments sparkle. Blue Nile's experts are on hand to guide you, and their diamond guarantee ensures you get the highest quality at the best price. Celebrate a life well-lived in the most radiant way and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yeah. That's so, so strange. Like, um, going so deep into that. And the first single was a hottest record in the world for Zane Lowe. It was, yeah. Well, he played he played a demo of If You Honor as a hottest record, which I think James, our manager, sent it straight to Zane because they were like neighbours. Um, it sounds bad, <laughs> like, it? Like, it's, it's bad it's, 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 he walks next door you never know who, who lives next to me Zane I think he CD pretty, yeah, under I think the he door. pretty much put a CD through his setbox and Zane played it that night like played the demo wow. that night I mean again that's it's like mind blowing like being played by Zane Lowe okay guys we are at the halfway point of the podcast put a cold towel across your head here's the spit bucket spit your blood or whatever into it and it's a boxing analogy don't worry about it don't worry about it if you're going what what why why is he why is he asking me to spit blood it's fine boxing analogy it's grand um so i wanted to tell you about the book that i've got coming out in a a couple of months i'll I'll talk more about it on season two 
Um, I've written a book about the music industry uh, called The Slacker's Guide to the Music Industry. Now, I don't think that I'm some sort of oracle and I know everything about the music industry. I don't, but I do know loads of people in very sort of different fields that do know it. So um, I played in bands since I was about 13, 14 years old. And I found the sort of process of managing the band for the nine years that I was in it quite difficult. And, you know, there was so much knowledge that you were assumed to know, but you just don't. Um, so I've gathered together the great and the good of sort of, you know, people in bands, but also people in the industry as well. So you get like anecdotal stuff from bands like Run the Jewels and Charlie XEX and Little Sims and Loyal Carner and Blossoms and Biffy Clyro and slaves and god yeah the list goes on i've got loads and loads of people in there and you know people from polydor records like you know the best booking agents the best a and r's darkest bees who owns island records um the best management companies the best social media people can't forget i'm very blocked up here can you hear that basically i spent two and a half years doing it and i'm going to release it soon and i might put a pre-order of it up maybe in february time or something but yeah writing a book hard work <laughs> just yeah it, it takes way longer than you think it will as well anyway right i bored you with that time to get back to what you're here for this is part two of the vaccines podcast with justin young so like when when you go touring around at the very beginning did you like was that something you loved doing like you, you said you played five days a week so I'm sure i love playing shows like i love touring i love playing shows I love. I guess they're like two separate things, aren't they? Like, obviously, like playing a great show is is like electrifying. It's like validating and exciting, and it's like it makes me feel like so alive. I honestly, I feel like as close. I sort of feel like really. It sounds really cheesy, but I like feel really in touch with myself when I'm playing. I just think it's such like an amazing. I can become someone that I can't always be in like yeah. normal. So like playing shows is like amazing. I love it but then I also love touring like I love meeting new people going to new places eating new food like it is like the best job in the world you know when you've got like a day off in Sydney or a, it, or you're being taken up Chinese food in Hong Kong <laughs> or whatever it is just like, yeah. it's, ama- it's like it's amazing I like I'm like addicted to that I love it like so much it it, it, it fills me full of joy to hear somebody talk about touring and yeah. they actually love it because I, I do hear from a lot of people where they're just like, "Oh, I miss my home, I miss my bed." People do. Yeah, I, I miss, think I miss my girlfriend. It's hard in relationships, but like, there's so much to enjoy about it's it as well. It's and amazing. I, it's weird. I was caught. I get told off on tour for calling it holiday by mistake. I'm always like, <laughs> I'm always like, oh yeah, remember? And they're like, we're not on holiday. We're on tour. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's the best holiday in the world because yeah. then you get to go and play gigs. Yeah, it's amazing. I, I mean, there I, is there is a lot. Sorry, there is a lot of waiting around. There there is a lot of like like waiting at airports and one hour's sleep and kind of like mm. like shitty hotels and all that sort of stuff but like the good days definitely outweigh the bad days so. yeah yeah how how do you sort of entertain yourself when when you're in the, the airport is there like a collective ba- band um well we're like obsessed love. with of like collecting air miles so like if <laughs> it is like it's so boring like another, well no but it is like it's like the little cool. things isn't it yeah. no so there is a game as well we play where you have to like go and buy something, go and buy each other something in the airport, but there's like no limit. 
like oh spending God, limit. Right. But our crew play as well. So like yeah. one of them will like come back in and have bought like the the, the guitar tech will have bought like the drum tech some like Beats by Dre headphones. Oh my God! And right. And the drum tech will have bought in return. It bought like some fruit pastels. <laughs> it's like real. It's like it's very telling. But no, like so we so basically like I. We have like lounge access because I like obsessively collect miles. So like my r- ritual at like Heathrow is I like always go to the British Airways lounge and they at twelve o'clock I know what time they bring it out. Yeah. Midday they bring out this like free chili like con carne. <laughs> yeah. And I just eat like like mountains and mountains as much of as it, it, yeah like, as much of it as, like, before they tell me <laughs> off. You know the thing from The Simpsons where, he's, where they could say that all you could eat buffet is an offer not a challenge (laughs) (laughs) yeah bottomless pizza yeah yeah. (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect you can like just go with like i do the same at like hotel you know the the the, yeah when the breakfast they put out the breakfast in the morning they'll have like croissants or something like that and you just pack as many yeah Yeah. as many as you can it's like when this is going to see me through the day i'm (laughs) gonna i'm not gonna shit for like two weeks after this but it's gonna it's gonna be good but like uh, the, the 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 tour in life is obviously something that, that that suits you guys well you like yeah. what, what what do you do when you've recorded an album and you're waiting to go on like sitting on, on it <laughs> on tour so like you've you've kind of finished the the record well it is what like do- i guess it's a lot of because a lot of like friends ask me that and i and i kind of like sigh and give them a like but the truth is it's just like a lot of i guess a lot of like prep work like new crew like kind of like meeting them and kind of getting to grips with like equipment like sort of boring stuff like that and then and then yeah like promo like photo shoots and like interviews and then like approving artwork and approving videos like we just made a video that took like four days last week four days for a video i've actually only took it was only one day shooting but i went out early with the with the director and producer and like kind of like scouted locations oh right okay so like you're not going to take the big move into directing not quite but i but i really but i do like and again i love like everything about being Mm. in a band like i love getting an email saying like oh you're on this playlist or this Mm. person wants to do an interview like i just love everything about so you're, being you're not like you're not passive in the band you're not like sort of sitting back aloof and like a, a manager's trying to get in contact with you you're just like, no no I, I i'm be, like i want to be like, actively I'm engaged like, yeah 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 i just think I, I also got to a point as well i spent so much of my 20s kind of sat sat around waiting for inspiration to hit and i realized i like looked around me and i was like wow i've got like the best job in the world like i love my job so much more than any of my friends why aren't i working as hard as them <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah. like i've definitely like in the last like year or two have like taken it upon myself to like work as hard as i can and like every day i wake up and i like even if i don't write a song i'm like working on music i'm like i know it sounds like silly but even just like making myself like inspiration playlists mm. or just anything that's like that's in some way going to lead to something good yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I, so i try and do that every day now like i have a lot of a lot of my friends are, are freelance and a lot of my friends write music are are painters like, way too many fucking arty friends like <laughs> right but they, uh, it's the uh, only people that want to go out <clears throat> every night of the week though isn't it when we're when we're in the pub and we're like sort of you know between the 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 dick jokes and just yeah. like laughing about the the common complaint that always comes up is like I kind of they almost feel guilty for not having to yeah. do it. Yeah, nine, so I've got arti- I've I always talk about it as a, I call it like artist's guilt or like artistic guilt, and no one ever everyone's like, what? But I do feel like I'm like, when's the rug going to be pulled from under my feet? <laughs> like I just feel I feel kind of guilty. Like, yeah, I just feel so lucky. So that is I feel like I always feel much better about myself if I use the day to like create and and like when I have like written a song or spent the day in the studio, or whatever, I feel 
totally at peace with who I am and the path yeah. I'm on. Like it's sort of. Do Do you write with other people? Do you ever write songs for other people? Yeah, with and for and like I I kind of. Is it something you like, feel comfortable talking about? Or? Yeah, yeah. But I I basically like I signed like a publishing deal, a new publishing deal in like 2014 as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And I and I started going into all these like sessions, and I found them. I actually found them like four to write. I guess like four with other people, whatever. And I just found like every every morning. Oh, sorry, every evening the night before, I'd kind of like dread the next day, almost like I had school or like work yeah, the yeah. next day. And it was like a really weird feeling. And I kind of ignored it for a bit. And I decided I'm an artist. Like life is short. Why am I wasting time? on other people's art like i should be putting it all putting into it all my into own yeah, specifically at this age as well yeah like you exactly, know, you've got yeah. your whole life to write for, for yeah exactly you want. so at the moment i'm like really focused on yeah like spending my expending my time my energy and spending my time on but i also think you know like variety being the spice of life and everything i do really like oh being in the studio with that person one day yeah. and then working on that the next and because that is one of the best things about being an artist but, isn't it but just the fact that you write songs that are like the vaccines, right? Doesn't yeah. mean that that's the only sort of creative Absolutely. stuff that, yeah, that, that is you like put one. Out. It's like one hat, isn't it? It's really interesting. Like I'm um, speaking to some songwriters, like, and you'd never think they wrote 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 for like pop artists, right? Yeah, yeah or yeah. like you yeah. know, big One Direction, yeah, choruses. Well, I guess stuff. like put a different like a voice is like a huge thing. Put a bit different voice on something, and straight away people like. Have you ever like, have, you, have you written for somebody like a song that I might know? No, no, no. Because I, cause I haven't done that many sessions. And also, I really was, like, learning on the job. Because I'd, like, go in with... I also think, to to be honest, I kind of was, like... I wasn't being true to myself. And I wasn't being true to the people I was in a room with. I think I was, like, second-guessing mm. what I thought that, like, they would want. And I wasn't really listening to them. I, I basically found the process, like, very stressful and not that enjoyable. Yeah, exactly. I think I might go back to it. But I have got songs. I have got songs. Like, I've got credits on people's albums. But, like... No, like huge hits that have like bought me a house in like, <laughs> Hill or anything like that. Like, yeah, exactly. You need yeah. to be writing those tracks yeah. for like uh, Ed Sheeran or yeah. or Taylor Swift. Exactly. It, it, this is another thing. It blows my mind how many writers some people have. Like how but many names I think are underneath. The I pop think song. that's. Do you know what though? I think that like that's a lot of people say that, but I think that's more telling about what people deem to be. Writing, writing these days it. worth the, actually as as opposed to how many people actually wrote it like i've had conversations with producers in the past like particularly like american hip-hop producers who are like yo i just want to make sure that like if i like put a cool like synth hook on the top of the song you're going to give me writing and i was like what really right and so i do think like pr- like particularly like with more like electronic based music um uh a lot of people um a lot of people like want writing for like beats yeah, yeah. Which you don't give a drummer writing for like a drum beat, do you? But I, I suppose it's fair enough. But like producer, producers and like beat makers want as much like writing. From my experience, as like top top runners. Normally, the artist will like take even if the artist hasn't had a hand in it, they'll like take. I a mean, cut without a, without a good good top line or good verse on it, if it's hip hop or something that catches you melodiously, yeah. it's just going to be minimal techno. Or, or right, yeah, 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 I mean? yeah, like, yeah, 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 like, yeah. No, exactly. Who gives a fuck? And also, I think there's also like a trend now as well where people are almost as like a, you know, people are like second guessing like the danger of lawsuits. I think like people like, if there's like even a hint of like a song from a bygone era, they'll just like throw in the like writers of that song onto the credits. Yeah, list immediately. They're like, yeah, they're just like, you know. That happened with, uh, was it with Blurred Lines? 
There's the Sam Smith, Tom Petty. Sam Smith, Tom and Petty. And there's Radiohead and Lana Del Rey. Yeah, that's but the one. Radiohead, Radiohead had to give up publishing on Creep to Albert Hammond, father of Albert F- Hammond Jr. From the six. Strokes? Yeah. Um, for, I can't remember, I can't remember what song it was. It's like a like a Hollies song or a Turtle song yeah. or something, I can't remember. So Radiohead gave up publishing. It's, w- it's weird how you you, met, you mentioned Tom Petty and the the Strokes and Albert Hammond. Like if I if I want to connect the dots, yeah, then I connect the dots by saying Last Night by the Strokes was influenced by American Girl by Tom absolutely. Petty. Absolutely, Oosh. absolutely, tedious link. Speaking yeah. of New York, you you moved there for a while, didn't you? Yeah, I came back. When uh, when did you move to New York? Two thousand and thirteen. How much weight did you put on in the first three months? I don't. Have you <laughs> have you heard me talking about this? No, no. I've, I've, I put I've, on like two stone when I moved to that, New York. That, that was that was. The, this is a question that I uh, I will ask anybody who no, goes I to America. No, I genuinely like. I genuinely yeah, put I, on like two stone when I moved to If I go to there New for York. a week, yeah. I put on a stone. It's like mad because all I did was eat and drink. That was like my life. Yeah, <laughs> and obviously it's all so good and re- like comparatively cheap and comparatively really bad for you. Yeah, exactly. Um, but yeah, I, I genuinely I got fat in New York. Like I. Again, like, I'll show you. Look. Oh, can I can I get see a, a, a fatty picture? Yeah. How did you lose the weight? Moving back to London. Moving back to London. <laughs> Wait, like, this is good. This is a good picture. It's, it's, it, it, that's not you. Yes, it is. Yes, it um, is. Can you send me that photo? Can, <laughs> no. I, can I use it? Okay, I'll, okay, I'll just I'll just describe it to the listeners. Yeah, right. Yeah, do. Justin looks exactly like Tom Green. In, in, in this photo except when Tom Green's like really fat I'm outside an ice cream truck as well Jesus that? that's not you is it <laughs> oh my god that's yeah. that's like your lost days yeah photo, well it's like it? I, I like to think of it as like Brian Wilson yeah yeah <laughs> eating a birthday cake in bed every day only I was eating a cheeseburger in yeah. a bar every day well, you, you look yeah. very trim now thanks I just yeah moved back to that's my that's my weight loss tips moved back to England from America yeah so if you're if you're American you're screwed yeah you're just gonna have to get fat and deal with it yeah but it's the problem of people from here going over there because obviously they've regulated their diet and they know exactly what what to expect but if you had went to la you probably would have went the other way you would have been on the the wheatgrass smoothies and the chai seeds and the issue is though is like when i go to la i I get like facts i just eat um i just eat like mexican food and mexican coke and and um and again, like cheeseburgers, I I like grew up obsessed with American pop culture and like cheeseburgers yeah. and fr- and so like whenever I'm there, I just like want to try the bet. Like so, I'm actually Straight not that healthy dinner. when I go to, yeah. What what's what's New York? There's like? nothing wrong with being big. I don't want to you know. I don't want anyone to feel bad. No, about, abs- you know? absolutely. But, I, not. but like, when it's bigger than you normally yeah. are, yeah, exactly. It's it's bad for you personally. When it's bigger than you want to be, yeah. I'm a, yeah. I'm a couple of stones bigger than than I want to be, but so happens. Who isn't? Yeah. Um, what's New York like to live in as a as a musician? coming from london what's what's the difference it was weird because we were like off cycle and i wasn't really i kind of thought of myself as more of a drinker than a musician yeah <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. You know what? it's really i i kind Lots of i of don't really i can't really answer that question because i didn't we made a record in upstate new york but i i didn't really make i wrote a bit i was like writing a bit in in my apartment in New York, but I don't really know. I didn't really experience what it was like to be a musician there. Like I had friends who had kind of, I mean, it's cool. Like, I had friends who had rehearsal spaces like under like dive bars and all this sort of stuff. And there's like so That's much. That's so cool. I, I yeah, quite, I quite like. like I, I also that. think there's like so much. You know, like pop culture. You know, really like does all of it sort of as we know it. Like comes from uh, America. Yeah. Uh, and like so you know ev- the great thing about LA and New York is like every street particularly in Manhattan it's like 
every street there's like oh they took oh like you know like so and so played their first show there or that's a that's a song that's from a song or like that's an album cover or like you know it's just like steep i guess london actually is as well isn't it yeah to well, be like, fair, but, but like, if you're like a fan in, of punk rock like i'm yeah i'm sure you are like they like new york's where it started absolutely like, yeah when you go to new york do you hang about with the locals do you hang about with people from back home ryan jarman was over there i'd imagine you'd yeah he was he was living there i saw him play with exclamation pony actually oh cool in in a place about three doors down from cbgb's and which no longer there and joey ramone way and i feel like ryan Mm. kind of looks a bit like joey ramone he he? does yeah he's a he's a sweetheart isn't he yeah i like him like him a lot but yeah um i guess like my best friends out there were english i love the americans i really do that's why i moved there like i love their enthusiasm and their positivity but like you know i miss Brit, like the british sense of humor yeah exactly you don't you don't get the yeah. the same with that I, I one thing i can't deal with with um new yorkers probably more so and i i, I love new york more more than probably mo- most places yeah is how direct people are i'm not like yes i'm not very direct if i if i say i wanted you to like like move out of my way i'd be like oh sorry um could could you just like you know yeah they're rude like, they're rude yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah I, I was on the subway eating a subway eating like a, a deli sandwich or whatever she was like, "Do you mind not eating that in front of me?" <laughs> well, I mean, I was like, "Uh, yeah, you, you can't really say no." So you're just like, "Right, okay." It's just so direct, brutal. Makes you feel this big, doesn't it? Yeah. So, like, when when you moved back from New York, you moved back to London. Is that when like the whole record cycle started? And you're writing and getting getting this album back together. We sort of started at the. Uh, interestingly halfway through touring English Graffiti the last record had some time off in like 2015 and I wrote a couple of songs and then like didn't do any writing for like another year and then and then about 18 months ago started writing this record and went down like a bunch of different roads and made like a whole probably made like a whole different record and all this sort of stuff and like um but that song, the first song I wrote, like kind of separate from anything, like off the back of English Graffiti, was "I Can't Quit," which is a single, which is our first single, yeah, which it's is out, like now. out now. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny that kind of sat la- laying lying dormant for for like eighteen months before I even like picked it up and listened to it again. Um, but yeah, like the ju- I guess the journey started in like yeah January sixteen, and Pete, our drummer, quit in February sixteen, and then we kind of went back to drawing board. So it was like. It's like a good eighteen months of like writing and rehearsing mm-hmm. and recording, long enough. Yeah, yeah, big yeah. time. There, there's a, a there's a band that are quite successful whose um, confidence I will not betray by by, okay. by by saying who they are. Um, they wrote their last album and wrote exactly the amount of songs that were on it, and, wow, and not one other. Wow, and that made the whole album. And the album's actually really good. They they wrote, wrote ten songs, and the album's great, but they didn't. Maybe, maybe it was like Balshi Bravado, you know, like, I a, think like, like pub song. I think there's talk. like a lot to be said for albums being like a snapshot in time and being like representative of like where you are as a band or as artists at that, at like at that point, right? But then I guess it gets it becomes so much harder when like so much like so many other things start relying on like you've got to put in like a tour cycle for like 18 months and it's like there's all these like other like worries and like pressures like we're talking about like that start like seeping in and and so you end up i don't know i always write like 
70, 80 songs for a record. That's insane. Yeah. That's so many songs. Yeah. Like, where do you even start to, like, decipher? Like, when, when, like, because when people say 70 or 80 songs, they really mean 70 or 80 sort of ideas. I think probably, no, I think probably, I think there's probably 50 full songs and then, like, and then, and then another, like, 20 or 30 that probably would have needed, like, a day of fleshing stuff out. But essentially, like, the songs were mapped in my head. Yeah. But I I guess I don't really have anything else to do. Do you go through them yourself to pick out the tracks or do you have other Yeah, and then I, like, whittle them down and then the band and then... And actually, like, on English Graffiti, our last record, I think we got it wrong. I think it was, like, too chocolate boxy. It was, like, a bit confusing. And actually, this record, that process of, like, refinement and, like, figuring out which songs would were best for, like... Because it's, it's one thing to make a good record, but it has to be, like, a cohesive-sounding record. It has to sound like a record, right? Mm-hmm. So talking about only writing 10 songs and putting that out. So that was, like, quite a big part of the process on this record was, was like... That doesn't Fishing fit. Out. Yeah, that yeah. doesn't fit. Like that's a really good song, but it doesn't fit. But does that mean if you if you write like three or four singles or something like that, then you can have room to play with the rest of them and go right? Well, this sounds like it should be on this record. Instead, I of, think so. instead of the idea of going, well, this song doesn't sound like it should be on this record, but it's got a massive chorus or a massive hook or something. Well, I have like loads of. I then spent like I spent like weeks, you know, like kind of like sifting through everything and like putting it into different piles and and like that forms like you know like the basis of like the next record or like a you know like another like another project or you know what i mean it all kind of start it's actually like really fun like moving the bricks around and kind of like figuring out what works with what and then you're like oh wow like even though none of those songs made the record they're all really good and they all sound like they belong on a record too and it's like so i've been doing like loads of that holy shit so, yeah. so if you write like 70 songs for like the next record you'll still have the hangover from i know from, don't from, i want to i want to do i want to do <laughs> stuff it's gonna be like i yeah. don't know man like you'll just be able to soundtrack forever yeah <laughs> <laughs> you, have you ever thought about like the songs that you don't put out or don't make the album you just like put them on spotify or soundcloud under just some other name just no i have to, thought about to, doing to that. give them a home but it'd be just quite sad seeing that, like when you see like on spotify that it's got less than a thousand have yeah. you seen that, oh like, god yeah sure my, my, yeah. my band stuff's up on spotify yeah. and it's got less than a thousand we can uh, get you there yeah yeah come on <laughs> yeah. get p tags back yeah. let's appear to over a thousand plays <laughs> by the end of whenever you're listening to this day um have you have you got like a a fake band name? Like, do do you ever play under? <coughs> well, under, I've got under so many. I've got so many names. band names. I have like we did when we started. I can't. We also played. We've got like a drum head with our name in Icelandic because Arnie's Icelandic, and we sometimes put that on. I can't. I can't. I don't know. I don't know what our name is in Icelandic. Yeah, do you, but, but like, have you ever like? I always all, collect all, band names. I always collect band names. All like, band names, all bands have got like different names for their band, or like you know different names that it would have been, or like yeah, with Catholic, the Catholics was one of our the names. Catholics. Yeah, 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 yeah I like yeah. it. Um, but then I guess it's Frank Black. Well, there's Frank, a band, Frank Black and the Catholics. The, so. Well, there's a band from Scotland called Catholic Action. There is now. Yeah, there is now. I don't think there was then. Yeah. Um, Actually, one of the band names that I I had from ages ago was called Catholic Guilt. Really? Which I nice. Think that's, that's a good that's name. A strong yeah, yeah. name. Yeah, yeah. I just remembered it. Catholic Action's a good name. Catholic so. Action's a really good name. Um, uh, then we had Young Mothers. Yes. I actually had a... There's, had, there's, well, there's Young there's Fathers. Young Fathers. But Young but, Mothers... But, but, our first demos <laughs> were called Young Mothers. So so like uh, yeah. so that if you want a demo you played was, was originally by Young Mothers. And now wow. we've got a song called Young Mothers which didn't make it onto the new record. Well, what if you were still called Young Mothers and you were playing and Young Fathers were supporting... Could be, and then we could have beautiful children, young 
children. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The yeah. fat, the family child. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I, I just I'm fascinated by band names. I, I, I always have been. I just I, I love them. No, I, me too. I, I really well, it's, it's it's I suppose it's like because they're, they're, you have they're, to fill them, don't you? you they're to. almost uniformly shit. Yeah, yeah. You have to you have to you have to fulfill or fill uh, you know the kind of the kind of they're devoid of anything until you fill them yeah you know, you're, uh... I, like, I just I, I just I love a good band name and like you know when you start talking about them and then I just can't think of any of the good ones right now but yeah. it'll, it'll just come flooding back to me I've got I, I've got like a folder on my uh, on my phone of uh, of band names actually not on my phone <laughs> it's on my uh... by the way I've got I've got a car I've got I've yeah, got yeah a car five, five, we... five minutes okay sorry. or two minutes right let me just turn my phone on so that if he tries to text i can say that i'm coming out Wicked. sorry i just I was it's all right we'll we'll, it, we'll, just, we'll do the we'll do the little wrap up now cool. sorry this is the one part where i need your proper advice right yes what tip would you give to a young artist band or act or group starting out now i feel like from from it's like a creative one but i think that like going back to to what i was saying a little bit earlier i think it does take a really long time to like figure out like who you are and i think that i think taking inspiration and being inspired by the people around you and the, and the people you look up to and listen to is like really important. But I also think it's, it's important to find out like who you are. And, you know, I, I, I feel like I was really set back like for quite a long time by, you know, channeling other people. And, and I, even the kind, you know, even my lyrics, even, you know, what I was trying to say, like it wasn't really me. It wasn't coming from an honest place. It was, you know, I remember for a while, I, you know, I was like super into that guy Beirut. So then I'd start singing about like 1940s kind of, you know, it wasn't, it <laughs> yeah. wasn't really like me. And I think it's really important to, I'm actually now coming to terms with the kind of artist I am, but I think that's like a, that's for like later down the line. But I think for new acts, it's like, it's like, what do we do that like no one else does? Like who, you know, like, like what can people, ha, ha, what can we do that will make people say, oh, that's so-and-so or that's like so-and-so, mm-hmm. um, I think like figuring that out and like being true and finding your own artistic voice. Cause once you do that, like that's, that's how you're going to, you know, that's how you're going to get people to connect with you and like that's fall in love battle, with you. Isn't it it really? is. Yeah. 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 Cause no one wants a second rate Tame Impala yeah, or exactly. a second rate Arctic Monkeys no. or a, you know, like second rate Charlie XX. They want like, you know, they want the uh, new thing. Then yeah, they yeah. want it. And they want it to feel like they've never heard it before. Yeah. Sage advice. Think, yeah. <laughs> and on that bombshell game over we're done thank Damn. you thanks for having me thank you so much for listening to this week's slacker podcast with justin from the back scenes remember if you like the podcast you can rate and review it yeah it is a really revolutionary concept of rating and reviewing it's free if you fancy it and you're dead on enough and you're like, well, I listen to this every week and I've never rated and reviewed it. I'm giving you something. Do me a favor. Give a little back. That, that would be incredible. Anyway, right. That is the penultimate Slacker podcast for season one. We will be back again next week for the final one. <laughs>